We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Thank you. We're, uh, we're going into a fun uh, little series that's not just a series like I always say. It is a lifestyle, of course, of worship, atmosphere of worship in our lives. And um, you're like, well, we only sang one song. We had a few songs at the end today. We're, we're changing up. And I, I told the worship team, be ready in case the people are too weirded out by only doing one song at the beginning and no more. We might just finish. And um, if the, I feel like you're okay with it. I feel like we're all together. We're going we're gonna to continue to worship. You're going to respond to the message at the end. Now, here's the thing. Worship is one of those things that um, you don't just do in church just to do it, but often it's at the beginning because you need to prepare your hearts for what God has for you, and worship will do that for people. They, they'll come in, they'll be all depressed, or they'll feel all guilty, or they'll feel... Um, like they just need to be uplifted and then worship happens and then they're feeling a little bit better and then when I get up here, they're not giving me mean looks. They're, they're open, they're receptive, they're ready to surrender whatever has, Jesus has for them and so I'm, I, don't, I don't bank on the one song was able to do that but um, today could you just uh, close your eyes with me and let's just believe, um, I'll, I'll pray in a minute, we'll, we'll believe that, that you're going to be able to receive everything that God has for us today but it is such a cool subject, and it's such a life-transforming subject. It's one of my favorite. How many would be surprised if I told you that all of us live in an atmosphere of worship all the time? Well, not me. I don't, I don't even care for worship songs. I don't like Bethel. I don't like any of those groups. And I'm just saying maybe that's you. I do. Okay, sorry. Relax. I went to their concert and everything. Whether you do or not, we all, we all live in an atmosphere of worship all the time. In your home, in your car, in your workplace, in your school. I don't worship at school. Yes, you are worshiping in all of those places every day. Because it doesn't matter whether we are ideal Christians or whether we are listening to Hillsong or whether we are listening to Elvis Presley. It really doesn't. We are all worshipers because... That is who we are. This, the disconnect and the unfulfillment comes um, when we realize the object of our worship, listen, can be the opposite of the one who created us for worship in the first place. The disconnect comes when we, when we realize the object of our worship every day at school, at home, at our work, in the car, our object of our worship can be opposite of the one who created you for worship in the first place. We might not even realize it at the time that we are in, in, in the middle of worshiping something because whatever takes our time, whatever we give our worth to, is what we worship. Well, you can't tell me that I'm an idol worshiper. I'm not, a, I'm not telling you you're an idol worshiper, but I'm telling you we all need to realign at times what we focus on. We might not even realize it at the time, but this is exactly where we find God's people over and over in the Bible. The Old Testament, um, I remember a teacher taught me this 
my freshman year of college, in, in 1992, he said, the whole Old Testament is about one thing. It's about worship. Who are you worshiping? The people would start to worship God, and then they'd get messed up. They'd get out of focus, and they'd start to worship something else, and things would get messed up in their life, and they'd come crawling back to God. He'd forgive them, and they'd begin to worship him, and then it would go in a cycle. It's very much like another group of people. Not us, but some of the people you know, right? Um, the people in those days had the same luxury that we do. They just had it in a different way. And the luxury they had was they had God's presence with them where they went. And I want to read a scripture to you. It's found in Exodus. We're going to skip all over Exodus today and read a bunch of things. I would say follow in your Bible, but it'll probably be easier just to follow on the screen. I'm going to read Exodus 20, verse 1, verse 4 through 8, and then um, skip to verse 10. So here we go. On the and God spoke all these words. You shall wait, 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 wait. On the first day of the third month, is that not Exodus twenty? Um, yeah, you're like I don't know. I I copied it and pasted it into my Bible here. I didn't even look it up. I mean, I looked it up earlier, but I don't know it right now. Let me just let me just read this part to you. You just stay where you're at. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. Just follow, just listen to me. You yourselves, you can take it off the screen. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you. God's talking to the people. How I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me. You know what he's going to say? If you obey me, then things will be good. He says, if you obey me, keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, kind of like us. Verse 8, the people all responded this way. We will do everything the Lord has said. Everything, yeah, we got it, no problem. We're here for you, God. We're me and you, we're like peas in a pod. Sound familiar? Verse 10, and the Lord said, well then, if you're with me, go to the people, Moses, and consecrate yourselves today and tomorrow. In other words, get your hearts ready because I'm getting ready to do something. We're going to have a night of worship, okay? And so skip, skip six verses later. On the morning of the third day, because it started on the first day of the third month, on the morning of the third day, this is their worship service. Listen. There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. The trumpet didn't come from people. It just came from the heavens, okay? That'd be cool. Everyone in the camp uh, wasn't excited. They were actually trembling. Everyone was trembling. This is a worship service like none other. Then Moses led the people out of the camp and said, we got to get out of here. <laughs> no, out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of a mountain. The mountain was called Mount Sinai, and Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, not because of smoke machines, although there's nothing wrong with them. We just don't have any. But this was coming from the Lord, and it descended upon the mountain like a fire. The smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain, the whole mountain shook violently. This was like better than any Bethel worship service, all right? They, the people were like, oh my gosh. 
And the Lord and the sound of the trumpet grew again, louder and louder. Moses spoke. They didn't even need a worship team. The music was playing. The Lord, uh, as, as the sound, I'm getting so excited. I'm sorry. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him, which is really cool. The Lord ascended to the top of the mountain. Mount, what was the mountain called? Sinai. And called Moses to the top. So Moses went up, always up. When you go to God's presence, it's always up. It's never a downer. I know I'm just playing with the words, but it's always an upper to come into God's presence. All right, we're going to pause there. Remember, Moses is getting ready to go up in the mountain. The people just said, God will do whatever you want. We're, we're with you. We're here for you. We're, we're right on with you. They see all the stuff. They're like, whoa, this is the greatest night of worship I've experienced in a long time. An atmosphere of worship, what you're talking about right now. Wow, what is going on? And then Moses went up the mountain, okay? Pause. Remember that. Don't forget it. We're talking about an atmosphere of worship. Now, it can be in your house and other places, but really, I want to talk about in the context of when we come into this place, when we come together, an atmosphere of worship. The people truly experience God, but soon after, you'll find that the people, something changed, and things got weird, and they got out of focus. Today, I want to call this message out of focus. Now, would you focus with me? We're going to we're going to um, include God in this time right now. Um, he's here already, but would you bow your heads with me? And Lord, we just thank you for this word that you um, are bringing to us today. I pray that even when things aren't new, there's nothing new under the sun, let it become fresh to us. Let this word of life become fresh bread to our lives, that we might eat it, that we might uh, be different, that we might be changed, that we might be people who worship, but worship the right thing in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Um, we had a pet, um, switch gears for a minute, named Snowflake. Snowflake was a pet I had as a kid. I was like seven years old. I remember when we had him because um, um, it was my birthday and it was in a little box. And I opened the box and there was Snowflake. It was like, oh, wow, a poodle. I love it. And um, I loved Snowflake. I, I fed Snowflake. I took her out for walks and uh, other stuff, right? You went everything you do with dogs. And um, Snowflake was my life. It was amazing. Like, he just, she, I called him a he, but she was a she. So anyway, she, she meant a lot to me. And then the next year came along. I turned eight. And then I started uh, following the ways of the world and forgot about Snowflake, okay? No, I don't know what it was. Maybe I got uh, interested in girls. I don't know if it was eight years old by then when I was interested in girls, but I could have been. And, um, and I stopped focusing my affection on Snowflake. You know where I'm going. I ended up focusing my affection on something new that we had. It was called the VCR. It was really cool. It was one of these kind of things you could put, you could go to the Blockbuster video, you could rent Star Wars for $9 or something like that for three minutes <laughs> and bring it home and then you have to pay a fee when you get back, but you put it in, you press play, and you could watch Star Wars at home. I remember bringing my friends over. I remember charging them a dollar to come and watch Star Wars at my house, and um, Snowflake got left out. Um, it was not good. I would never compare uh, my Snowflake with God. God spelled G-O-D. Dogs are spelled D-O-D. 
God's spelled G-O-D, dogs are spelled D-O-G. That's the only thing that's remotely the same. But my worth for snowflake dwindled, and it's often like us. We become fickle, irresponsible, flaky, whatever you want to call it. We move on to something else, and it takes our attention away from where it needs to, our focus. God called us in the Old Testament stiff Net, which meant when you when you ride when you ride um, uh, your plow and the and the and one of the animals looks this way, you pull it this way, and you make sure he's looking ahead. And the people were st- or if you want to turn, you got to move their head so they turn. And if they won't move their head, then you won't turn. He called us stiff-necked. Jesus even called us stiff-necked in the New Testament. Nothing has changed, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, or now, because the focus of our worth ship dwindles. It dwindles. We're no different than every generation before us in the Bible. And shortly after, they experienced an atmosphere of worship like none before. Remember what we read earlier? Twelve chapters later, we're going to look at Exodus 32, verse 1. I, I think I might have it right this time. Exodus 32, verse 1, it says, now, you know, Moses is gone right now. This is the second time he's gone up the mountain. The people are like, we'll serve you, God. We'll do whatever you want. You're amazing. We saw thunder and, and, and trembling of a mountain. It was amazing. And when the people saw that Moses was so long, I'm making a point, in coming down from the mountain, have you been there, where you're just wondering, when is this going to happen? Like, where is Moses? Where is God? Where is the presence? I remember experiencing it, and I don't know where it is. God, where are you? I'm seeking you. I can't seem to find you. I, I start to feed this sin, and I quietly, unpassionately um, call out for you. God, are you still there? No? Okay, well, fine. I'll just do what I'm doing. I hope you're not there. Are you there? No, you're not there? Okay. And then out of focus, we start to live impatient, giving in to sin, my worship to something else, and then I blame it on, um, well, God, so you were so long in coming. Where were you? Let's go on. Um, Go back because I didn't read that whole part, sorry. Um, So long coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. We got the greatest idea because we don't know where Moses is, so we're going to just do our thing. Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, wherever he is, he's been gone for at least an hour. I don't know how long he was gone. I think 40 days, actually. He was gone 40 days. Uh, As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt and did this amazing miracle, and and it's going to be talked about for centuries, we don't even know what happened to him. He just left in the middle of the presence of God, and Aaron answered them, Well, I got a great idea, guys. I don't know where Moses is either. So everybody, everybody, take off your earrings. And that that your wives, your sons, see, they even wore earrings back then, the sons did. And your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and did a great idea. He had a great idea. He made them into an idol, the shape of a cow. How cool. Fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are our gods 
Israel who brought us out of Egypt. We just made them, but we're going to give them the credit. Like, what was going on here? They literally changed their allegiance in a matter of days that quickly and not only sinned, but gave the idol the credit for their fulfillment. It's a pretty crazy story. You know, their story and ours are all about worship. God's promise was this. I will be your God, folks. I will be your God. You will be my people. That was his promise from the very, very beginning with Abraham. I will be your God. I will be your God. You will be my people. It's going to be great. Their response, we love you. It's going to be great. We love ourselves. We love ourselves a lot. We forget about you, and we worship something else. And that's what their response was, and it continued to be. I think one of the biggest tragedies in the pursuit of God, listen, corporately, especially in church, is when we say we're going to worship God, our focus is planning to worship God, and then it gets off track. And we don't even realize right in the middle of uh, a great night of worship, it moves to our minds, our focus changes, and we end up worshiping a calf. No, I would never worship a golden calf. That would never happen. I'd never pass in my earrings. Everybody pass your earrings to the middle so that we can make them into idols. No, I would never do that. But we do it in our worship sometimes when, when our focus gets off. And it makes worship um, the object, not, not just worship. The, I'm not talking about lifestyle worship every day. Worship in a place like this, in a corporate setting, it makes it powerless. It makes it lifeless when, we, when our focus gets off. Our goal when we come to church, I know this would be all of our hearts, is to touch the heart of God, to give him praise, to express how much he's worth to us. Does that sound like everyone's desire? Yes. We might even give into it, go into service with that intention. But there are times we find ourselves wondering, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Where's Moses at anyways? Like, where did he go? Like, it's all about you. Wait, what, what am I going to have for lunch today? I, would I can't wait for lunch. What time is it? Is it it's a clock say it's almost, oh, okay, 30 more minutes. It's all about you, right? I think um, we were going to commune with God at times, and God comes and watches us, and he says, never mind, I thought we were going to commune. Instead, this is a conversation with A, you, and B, um, your selfish intentions, and I will see my way out of this. I will just step back because I, apparently you don't want me a part of this. And our atmosphere of worship becomes out of focus. The key to an atmosphere of God, of worship to God, is this. A shift, it's not very deep, but a shift off of yourself and a shift onto God. That's the key. That's all there is to it. You shift off of yourself. You come into God's presence or you come into the church or you go into your bedroom. You turn on the music. You get in your car and you take your focus off of yourself. Oh, that is revelational. How could I ever do that? I'm going to take my focus off myself and I will shift it onto him.
Moses eventually came down from the mountain, right? Forty days later, it was a long prayer service for Moses, and I can kind of see the people's thought, like, where is he? Where did he go? Like, what's happened? He comes down. He sees that the people's focus was off of God and onto themselves. They were worshiping a gold animal. They were doing all kinds of things. They were, they were, having, they were having, like, sex and meat, weird uh, like witchcraft kind of stuff was happening, all kinds of weird things. And the focus was not on God. And Moses said something in that in Exodus 33 that became famous. He said, oh, man, God, if your presence doesn't go with, with us, um, this is in verse, uh, verse 15, Exodus 33, 15, if your presence doesn't go with us, I can't do it. In other words, it's got to be about you. It's, we got to get the shift off of ourselves and back onto God. And this should be our focus. And I'm going to invite the worship team up at this time. Hopefully you're not asleep. But um, we need that focus. We live in a, we live in a, 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 a world of, and this isn't everyone, that, but this, is, this is symbolizes who we are, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or not. We live in a world where, where Facebook and Instagram and, and selfies became famous. Like, we, we take pictures of ourselves. It used to never be. Now, the probably, probably it never was because we used to have polar, uh, cameras that had 35 millimeter in it, and you wouldn't want to waste a picture by turning it around and taking it this way because what if it doesn't show up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's probably where selfies, why we didn't do them back in the day because I think we were selfish then, too. But we are programmed to say what we are thinking. You know, when you get on Facebook, if you look, it says, what's on your mind? And it's like, oh, my gosh, seriously, what's on your mind? We are programmed to say what we are thinking, what we did, what we are doing. Look at my world, and let's see how many likes I can get. How many followers do you have? Oh, I wonder what she posted. It's all about focus, where it shouldn't be. Listen, until we resign ourselves, that our worth is not found in our likes. Some of you are like, likes? I don't even know what that is. You, you know what likes are. If someone likes you, you like that. If you get affirmed by someone, that means the world to you. It, your worth is not found in, oh, someone said, oh, that's a cute bow, Janelle. That's a cute shirt, Janelle. That's a cute, that's a cute jeans, Janelle. If no one says that to you, you're not defined by what they say anyways. Until we resign ourselves that our worth is not found in our likes, our friends, or our idol-like accomplishments. You should, you should see what I did. This week I come into church and I want you to know what I did. Look, look where I'm at with God. It's not found in that, our worth with God. And our worship will always, if that's our focus, will always be out of focus. Like, God, where are you? I, I, I kind of see you, but I kind of don't. I'm just out. Our worship will always be worshiping. It might as well be worshiping a golden calf. If our, if, if, if our thoughts are on ourselves. Oh, man, you don't understand, Stephen. It's so hard to focus on God at times. I have so many things going on in my head. Anyone? Anyone relate? Like, I, it's hard for me, especially at home. 
for me to worship at home. I, I got enough to deal with. And God says, come on. Come away with me just for a minute. Come away with me. Get your mind off of yourself. I grew up, I grew up in church uh, my whole life, and I know um, what we want to set worship to be. Like, um, And I've heard the criticisms. I've heard the complaints. I've heard the compliments. Oh, we need more lights. We need less lights. We need it darker. We need it more smoky. We need it louder. We need it quieter. We need more gold caps. We need more. It might as well be that. Because when we're, when we're worshiping and we, when we start to ask those questions, oh, I need this song. I need this, this song by this person. This is what really gets me. We need to raise our hands more. We need to get on our knees more. We need to stand more. We need to, all of these things are, fo- and sometimes a worship leader will tell you what to do and it helps facilitate an atmosphere worship. But often, a lot of those things will um, only take our focus off of God and move them on to something else. And you find yourself thinking, I wonder what other people are thinking of me. I wonder if I was to raise my hands, if they would look at me. I wonder all of those questions. I wonder if I should sing louder in between songs. I wonder what I do. Should I sing a new song to God? I think the songs, this church is called New Song. Do I sing a new song to God? No, I would never do that. The person next to me would be embarrassed. Do I talk to Jesus? Do I speak in tongues? Do I do I um, stay quiet? Do I, do I wait on the Lord? Because with those that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. All of these things will go through our minds. And I just want to ask you a, um, a question. It's not a simple question. But where, um, where does your worship take place? And um, we have plenty of time in this room. And I'm, I'm going to expect you to respond in some way. But think about it for a minute. Where does your worship take place? Is your, are, are you more like um, Moses who went up onto the mountain? And we didn't get into it today. But when he was up on the mountain, he... Oh, he saw the face of God almost. He almost saw, but he had to keep his eyes. Uh, he had to. They had to put something in the way so that he didn't see God's face because he would die. It was so awesome. But he was having a, a face-to-face encounter with God. Did your worship take place like Moses, where it's in the secret place, you and God, me and you, God, I'm with you. I'm all in this. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Listen, did you hear that? I don't care what anyone else thinks. It's just me and you. We're, t- we're taking some time. It's all about me reaching your throne room. It's all about me finding you. And many of you have been in that place. Is that where your worship is located? Or is it worship? Is your worship located like those folks down the mountain that were just... Um, that had all the right intentions. In fact, they saw the presence of God and they committed to the presence of God and they said, God, we want whatever you have for us. I'm all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's you and you, you. And then when times got tough, when they started to wait, they started to wonder, God, are you still there? And instead of a secret place, it became more of a, a hiding place where they were almost hiding from God. They were worshiping him. They had it, the right motives, but then they began to worship and they were hoping God didn't see them. 
in the middle of their worship. They were, they were doing their, uh, almost like um, Adam and Eve way back in the day when they realized their sin. They were hiding from God, and God said, where are you? Obviously, God knew where they were, but he said, where are you? I don't know where you're at. And they were hide, trying, to, trying to hide from God. And this is a, something I want to get across to you is that I think sometimes um, because, because we haven't experienced God's presence, we haven't experienced the secret place, that we decide to go to a place almost hiding, not, trying to numb ourselves from being let down because we can't, we can't find God. We can't seem to uh, figure out where he's gone. I said it like this. Our out-of-focus attempt to numb the reality that we don't want to work or wait or strive or reach God's heart. We don't want to wait for his presence. Where did Moses go anyways? I'm going to just do my own thing. I'm going to call it worship. I'm going to raise one hand. I might, whoops, I might even raise two hands. But it's not going to be all-out, heartfelt worship. And if you, if you numb yourself to the reality that you don't want to wait for God's presence to come, and you, and you don't take the time to climb up the mountain to the secret place, you can't talk to God. You can't walk with God. You can't hang out with God. You can't get pruned with him. You can't get right with him. You can't get raw with him. You can't get close to him. You can't show him how much he's worth. And I, wanna, I wanted to ask us all just to close our eyes for a minute and ask you if, if you are going through your week and instead of waiting on God, instead of coming to this place and expecting his presence, are you rather, are you scrolling through other people's lives, wishing you were them? Are you looking at what other people are doing? Is jealousy brooding over what I wish I had? I wish I had this. I wish I was here. I wish, do you see the problem with I I wish that this was fixed in my life. I'm going through this. I'm having trouble with this. I'm depressed. I'm sick. Are you thinking of ways to get likes from people? Maybe someone will like me if I do this. Are you thinking of ways to, to get rich? Maybe if I get this job, maybe if I had a better job, maybe if I got rid of this person and got this... Are we thinking about ways to get thin? Are we thinking about ways to get discovered? Are we thinking about ways to find love? Are we fantasizing about this and that? And it doesn't have to be the kind of fantasizing that some of you are thinking. Maybe you just fantasized about comparing to other people, comparing yourself, wishing you were another way. All of these things are worship that aren't the right kind of worship. If you're here today and maybe you need to get free of that, I want to give you the opportunity. As we continue to worship today, get your heart right with God. Say to him, God, I need you. I need to take my focus off myself. Everybody's eyes closed in the room. If you're here today and you've walked away from God completely, maybe you're not serving him right now. This is the perfect opportunity to come back because his presence is real. 
His presence is, is what you need. It will bring fulfillment. And, and you need it. You need it in your life. Are you here today and you need, you need God's presence? You need to come back to him. You've walked away and you're, you're questioning uh, where he might have been in your life and it's time to come back. Who's that? Who's that person? Just raise it up real quick. Amen. Amen. Who else? Amen. Is there one more? Just raise it. It's time to come back, Tim. It's time to come back today. Awesome. Awesome. God, God, God got through to the heart that needed, and all of us are in this boat. All of us are in this boat. How many here in the room would uh, stand with me right now and say, I need to be with God, and I need to get my, my mind off myself? Who would stand with me and say that? Just stand to your feet and say, yes, I need to get my mind off myself and onto God. Unless you're perfect, it's probably almost everyone in the room. Can I encourage you with this? As we worship, as we, get, as we sing these, these last couple of songs, know this. The people in that day, this is wild, but the people in that day at the mountain, they actually had a rule that they couldn't go up and see Moses. There's a scripture, and it says, if anyone gets close to the mountain, when God's presence is on the mountain, you will die. Do not touch the mountain. And the people are like, where is Moses? I want him to come back. I need God's presence. I can almost understand what they're feeling. Where is he? I can't even get close to the mountain right now. You know, they couldn't. You can read it. You can look it up for yourself. The thing is now, we go up to the mountain every day. You can come to the mountain every day because the difference is we don't have a veil. We don't have a, oh, only Moses comes to see the face of God. God says, I want you to come to me anytime you want. I made a way for you because my son Jesus died for your sin. In your sin, there's no way you can come to my presence. You don't deserve it. You don't, you don't belong here. But because I have made a way through my son, he died on the cross, you have forgiveness, and the way is open. You walk up the mountain any day, and it doesn't take a long walk. It takes a snap of your fingers where you say, oh, God, I surrender to you. I am here. I am open. It's all about you, and it's not about me. That's worship. That's worship. today to say God fill me up fill me up there's a part of this song that's that sometimes I don't know if it's a bridge or whatever but it says in a dry and thirsty land won't you open the floodgates I don't know a drier land than Colorado Springs there's some other ones though I grew up in Missouri but for two years I lived in South Dakota 
And you don't know the desperation when the people come to church. If they are a farmer and they own thousands of acres and there's no rain, they will come and they will pray this song, but they won't be praying it for spiritual. They will be praying it, oh, would you let it rain, Lord God, let it rain. And they would come to the altar. They would be in tears. Their, their livelihood would be on the line. They have 20 of their family members that are all depending on this crop that they're hoping to do. They could be millionaires or the next year they could be broke, completely bankrupt. And they pray and they pray and they pray and they cry. There was a guy uh, named um, named Ron Arnold, I remember, and he would just pray. And he was he was a very successful. But if it came down to the rain not coming, he had he was desperate. He was desperate for the Lord to come through, and the Lord would would usually come through. But I think that's something that we can learn because what happened was when the rain came, the crops came up, and there was fruit, and there was a green edge. There was plants. And I think that sometimes we get um, complacent. Is that the word? Complacent that, oh, I'm fine. My crops are... Um, yay high and I, I'm, I'm okay I'm, I'm making it I'm at least making it and and that's but we need the rain don't we let's close let's close with this if you if you're able to stand would you just stand with me to your feet and lift your hands with me and just say this prayer with me father God father God say it with me father God I come before you I thank you that you are gracious and I ask you that you would send your Holy Spirit on me this week. That you would send your Holy Spirit on me right now. That I would not go to the hiding place to try to get away from you and live in my sin. But I would go to the secret place where I could be with you. And that you would pour your Holy Spirit on me. Ask him. Pour your Holy Spirit on me. Would you say this with me? Let it rain. Would you say this with me, folks? Would you say, let it rain. Let it rain on my life. I pray for every teenager. I pray for every old person and young person, whatever you classify yourself as, that this week, that this moment, that this day, that they would not settle for less than, that they would not settle for a dry and thirsty land, that we would ask for your rain that we would ask for your love, that we would ask for your presence, that we would make an atmosphere of worship, not unto ourselves, a worship to me, to what I want, to what, what they're doing. I want to see them. I want to see her. I want to see him. Lord, I pray that our focus would be only on you, that when our focus gets off you, it's okay. It's okay. But that when our focus does get off you, that we would... Sorry. That we would remind ourselves our focus must be on God. And that we would recalibrate. That we would refocus. That we would recenter. We say, God, we're sorry. We got off ourselves for a moment. This is my seventh prayer on Sunday afternoon. But I'm coming back to you. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.